Hey y'all, it's Andrea. Today, Jordy shoots his shot and misses by a light year. We break down the idea of space mummies and we ask the question, were Jordy's actions justifiable? Stay with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're breaking down season three, episode six already, entitled Booby Trap. What? How did that happen? I know, right? Already. I feel like, you know, you know, I was talking to a, a co-worker of ours just the other day, and she was saying like, which season are you on? You know, I, I read a bunch of stuff online that season one and two are not good of TNG, so I just started on season three. And as I'm watching it, I keep thinking to myself, I wonder what Sharice and Andrea want to say about this episode. And I was like, funny, you should ask, because we're on season three. And it's like you blinked and we're there, which is so great because seasons one and two were a bit painful. And this so far, like every single episode, <laughs> even if they haven't been great, they have all been good. Mm-hmm. Like none of them have been bad. And I'm yes. just really good, like yeah. super strong, yeah. delighted, so strong. Well, this episode, Booby Trap, was written by three writers, Ron Roman, Michael Piller, and Richard Danis, and da 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 directed by the first female director of all of Star Trek, Gabrielle Beaumont. So, snaps to Gabrielle Beaumont, and this episode fucking rocks. So, yay! (laughs) It's star date 43205.6. When the Enterprise is trapped in a futuristic minefield, which rapidly drains the ship's power, Geordi must devise a means of escape. He enlists the holographic help of the ship's designer, Dr. Leah Brahms, by recreating her and the Enterprise Design Lab so they can devise a means to navigate the ship to safety. We have been talking off and on and Mm -hmm. referencing Leah Brahms, and this is the first of two times we actually see her. And when I saw that this was the Leah Brahms episode, I was like, oh, oh, it's so good. And you know what's so funny? As I watch this, so we're going to go beat by beat through the episode. But when I was, once we got to the resolution at the end, I was like, you know what? I don't remember Mm -hmm. what this episode was about at all, except for the Leah Brahms, Jordy relationship. That's all I remembered. I remember yes. there was some kind of thing going on and he needed help. And so he created her, but I didn't remember the context. Yes. I just remember the relationship and this episode and then the subsequent episode with Leah Brahms. And like, that's, that was just so fun to watch. Like, I just, I just enjoyed <sighs> that so much. And I feel like this is the first time we get an episode that's Jordy heavy um, and really satisfying yep. because the last time we had Jordy, kind of a Jordy heavy episode, I feel like was back in season one when he took over as chief engineer. And I think, I mm-hmm. think he was taking over when he had to take over the ship and decide how to rescue the, yeah. the away team from the planet. And there was that other guy who was being a total dick and mm-hmm. was like, I have more seniority. I should do this job and not you and all that stuff. Um, and that was like a Jordy yeah. heavy episode, but you get kind of, I feel like we didn't get a lot of character development, but this one you see like what he's like personally, yes. what he's like romantically. And it's like yes. so satisfying. This episode and also next week's episode too are really Jordy heavy, which mm-hmm. I love. And these episodes in these seasons are all about that character development. So it's not, oh, it's just, it's so juicy. I love this episode. Before we really get into the beat by beat though, Sharice, do you have any initial thoughts? Um, not other than what I've said. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just thought in my notes, I wrote in all caps, this right here is great science fiction. There's no viruses. (laughs) There's no sexing all over the ship. It's just good old fashioned. The Enterprise fell into a trap and Jordy has to Mm -hmm. science them out. I fucking Mm -hmm. love that. I love it. And, you know, I really, these, this episode specifically really made me rethink 
you know, Captain Picard is obviously my favorite character um, mm-hmm. of the crew, but I think Jordy is a really, really mm. close second because for a number of reasons, one, he's constantly saving the enterprise, like at the mm-hmm. last effing second, you know, like his, he's just using his brain all the time, um, which I love. And also uh, having done some reading that LeVar Burton had so much difficulty with his lines, especially in these seasons that were really kicking up the sciencey, mm-hmm. you know, mumbo jumbo talk into high gear. LeVar Burton's like, I'm not a scientist. I wasn't an engineer. I, I just had to like say these words in rapid succession, usually like moments before the enterprise mm-hmm. is certain doom, you know, and you have to mm-hmm. spit out with like great, you know, mm-hmm. effort, like these, these lines that are just so sciencey. And he said, I can't tell you how many like billions of takes I had to do to get them right. So I was like, ah, oh, major, major snaps to LeVar Burton. worth it. And he's not the first Trek actor I've heard say something like that, that the techno babble was very challenging Mm -hmm. for them. But I just have to say to all the Trek actors, I don't care how many takes it took. It came out beautifully. Like I never feel I I never see anyone stumble on their lines. So that 117th time you said it, you nailed it (laughs) because because from my perspective, it just I buy it all. I'm just like, "Mm -hmm, sure. Yep. It's completely like Mm -hmm. realistic for the Trek world. It's like, yep, yep. Okay. And we're going to realign the dilithium antimatter chamber. Okay. mm -hmm, Yeah. No, that all checks out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But maybe not such an awesome moment is where this episode starts, where could be possibly the most cringeworthy date of the 24th century. I agree. So let's go ahead and give Jordy that award. (laughs) It may be taken away in subsequent episodes, but right now Jordy gets the award for the most cringeworthy date. I was watching this scene yes. and I just was like, oh, he's not reading the body language. He's not reading the the facial mm-hmm. expression, the lack of conversation. The I mean, she doesn't want another drink. And he's like, oh. I know what's going to fix this. Let's have a some guy play music in the background. That's going to make it really romantic. So what mm. what did you picture, Jordy? Mm-hmm. Did you think that she was going to be like, oh, wow, I love this song. And just start making out with you while some guy's like playing over your head? Like, yes. Oh, just... I mean, first of all, he is so mm-hmm. awkwardly trying to like scoot in that closer. Was, so yeah, setting that the was scene, an awkward scoot right there. <laughs> they're on a beach. They're on, yes, it was. They're on a beach on a date mm-hmm. in the holodeck, and he's trying to offer her a another cocktail in a coconut, and it's called the Coco No No. And I was like, oh, that the naming was a no no right off the bat. But I was like, okay, whatever. So she's like, no, I think I've had enough. And then he does the most awkward scooch in the history mm-hmm. of the universe. And <laughs> it was just terrible. And this woman is like, I don't really want, like, and I just thought Jordy is being a classic 24th century man and not <laughs> reading the signs even remotely. Yes. And then he conjures into the holodeck a, <laughs> a musician to play them. Um, the Hungarian dance number five, mm-hmm. which is what it's called. Um, it's a very well-known classical piece, but she is like, I don't really, I, uh, at that point, Jordy, you stop, you just stop, just stop. Don't try to put your arm around her shoulder. Oh, so he, so, so he bad. awkwardly tries to put his arm around her shoulder. And the second it lands down on her shoulder, the second it touches down, she's yep. like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think I should go. And he's like, well, I mean, is it too cold? Is it, do you want me to change the environmental settings? And it's like, really, that's what you think this, the problem is, is that the environmental settings? Well, I guess, you know, hope springs eternal, right? And she's just like, all right, we need to just bring this to a close. Let me just tell you, buddy, this thing is not working. Like you're a great guy, but I'm just not into you, which I feel like 
Mm-hmm. Maybe she could have shared after the first Coco no-no because they had like four of them, but yep. whatever. Maybe she was. Yeah. There were yeah. multiple coconut husks. Maybe she was very, them. very thirsty, like, yeah. but I feel like you would need to get to the fourth one to be like, <laughs> eh. <laughs> like if you had four drinks and you're still not into them, you're not into them. Like even your drunk self is not into you're them. Absolutely not into them. <laughs> That's a great point. So, you're yeah, absolutely you're not into absolutely them. Not. If you were wondering now, you know, and, uh, and then Jordy's just like, all right. Like he, the way he responds, I thought he took rejection like a pro actually. And it also made me kind of sad because it's like, you could tell he's experienced this so often that he's just like, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. The minute she says, Jordy, I think you're a great guy. And he goes, okay, yep. Here we go. Yeah. You I've been on this can hear before. him finishing he her, totally finishing does, her yeah. sentences. Right. You could almost hear him being like, it's yes. not you, it's me. Da-da-da. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it's just so heartbreaking. Poor Jordy. Poor Jordy. I know. Absolutely. So the next scene, though, quickly cuts to Data and Wesley are playing space chess. Is this the first time we yes. see that cool layered so- set or did we see it before? No, we saw it in the season one okay. finale um, where the like 20th century humans yeah. are brought back and um, the space cocaine cowboy is playing 3D chess. Although how the hell would he know how to play it? <laughs> <laughs> we know how to play it if we don't know how. But whatever. So they're playing 3D space chess. I I want to like develop this into a game that actually has like rules and stuff. Although like we talked about, I can't right. even do regular chess. So true. like maybe I'm this reaching a little bit too far. <laughs> maybe we, you and I could invent space checkers. <laughs> <laughs> you and I could definitely manage to do. Right? <laughs> Play that game. We can figure that yeah, out. We can. <laughs> He's so great. And it's just, guess what? Spoiler alert. It's just regular checkers. And we're not even that good at that either. But <laughs> here's something I love. They are surrounded outside of 10 forward. You can see this stunning mm-hmm. asteroid field. And I don't know how they created this with CGI or whatever, but they did a fucking mm-hmm. spectacular job. I bought it hook, line and sinker. It was amazing. It looked so gorgeous. I would have just been standing at the windows of 10 forward, just like staring out a gog. 100%. Yeah, and- 100%. I think this scene was the most, one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. scenes I've seen in all of Trek so far Agreed. next to the only thing I would put above this is the episode with, um, with the stupid egg where we had the two neutron oh, yeah. stars and there was like the red star and the blue star. And it was like all swirly. That was, that was stunning mm-hmm. and gorgeous. But this one I would put as a close second because, yes, the asteroid field looked amazing. First of all, I mean, it was just stunning seeing yes. it through the windows and seeing how they, they were kind of like suspended and so yes. close to the asteroids. And then secondly, seeing the 3D, the three layers of uh, space chests with those like clear yeah. pieces, that set itself is really beautiful. And just seeing like that just beautiful clear glass and then this beautiful asteroid mm-hmm. field and like, oh, this scene, I could just. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on this, Sharice. It was beautifully rendered. So major, major props to the visual department for how they put all that together. And you're right. The way that it went from like the delicate, like space chest, clear glass pieces to like Mm -hmm. the delicate asteroids suspended without moving is gorgeous. This whole episode was gorgeous. This whole episode, every costume, the alien makeup. Ugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So data gives us some clue as to the origin of this asteroid field. Cause Wesley's like, Oh God, they never thought that it would happen here. So it's like, Oh, there's a little mystery. And data kind of indicates that there was some sort of final battle between two warring sides that resulted in the mutual destruction Mm -hmm. of like both sides. And that neither side Mm -hmm. thought that their final battle would take place 
here, wherever here is. Um, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. So we have a little mystery on our hands. Um, and then wah, wah, poor Jordy walks in looking so dejected. And Wesley goes, mm-hmm. uh-oh, he, he's been, he spent days putting together this like holographic program for this girl mm-hmm. and it must have not ended well. And I love when Data looks and he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really cute. That was really that was cute. cute. <laughs> um, but the episode like really kind of kicks up where on the bridge, a mysterious, a mysterious signal is being detected within the asteroid field and they come across a Promelian battle cruiser. Mm-hmm. And they keep indicating that like, oh my God, like no one has seen these forever. Um, the technology. Mm-hmm. It's been a thousand yes, years. The technology is so primitive. Uh, and and with and before Captain Picard gives the date on it, he's like, well, what we see now is primitive. When they were cruising around the galaxy, humans were barely mm-hmm. perfecting the mechanical clock. So it gives a time frame as to like how long this has been. And the signal emanating mm-hmm. from the ship is over a thousand years old, which is so, oh, I love when you have a little. And the yeah. ship looks amazing. So cool. Like it kind of, it kind of, when they saw it from space, it looked like to me from the front, it looked like a, um, like a Klingon bird of prey. A hundred percent. But then when they turned to the side and you see kind of the back of the ship, I was like, oh no, wait, this is a totally different mm-hmm. design. And then when they got into the ship, I was like, Ooh, cause I love yep. seeing new ships and how it was like all dark and like powered yep. down. And then I love the camera angles too, when they were inside the ship. And I know we're skipping ahead a little bit. Cause there's a little part I want to talk about, about who went yep. to the ship yep. and why, but, um, the way they did the camera angles was so clever because you only had to see like a tiny little piece of the ship. So they didn't have to make an entire yes. bridge with like all yep. the details. They just need to make a few pieces in the background that made it look really mm-hmm. cool. And I think they did a great job. They did do a stunning job. I mean, this, again, this entire episode is so strong from start to finish. Um, you're right. Captain Picard does want to go to the ship to investigate without security sweeps first. Uh, sir. That sounds like a really bad idea. I mean, which is what Riker says. And for the first time, he's got a great idea when it comes to security. It took him three and a half seasons, but he got there to say, wait a minute. I don't think the captain should go into this old derelict spaceship with like no security. That yeah, is not God a really knows idea. what could be in there. I mean, there were warring yeah. tribes. So you don't know like what kind of booby traps they could have had in there or God knows or what. Anything. Or anything. Or also, anything. this effing ship has been stuck here for a thousand years. I mean, the sensors can't, in my opinion, I don't think the sensors can adequately scan the entire ship and pick up, even if there's like a teeny tiny little breach, you know, it's a thousand year old mm-hmm. ship that's been through battle. There could be little cracks and fissures and things mm-hmm. that who knows, but they make this ship in a bottle analogy. And Picard is like, Oh, it's a ship in a bottle. It's a ship in a bottle. Didn't everyone, didn't anyone ever play with ships and bottles when they were boys? And Worf mm-hmm. says, I never played with toys. And Data says, of course he didn't. I was never a boy. I never was a boy. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was so great. And Chief O'Brien fucking shoehorned in there going, I did. And I just wrote, thank you, Lieutenant Suckup. Like, (laughs) which I love that. Which is exactly what Riker was saying when he looked at him. Right. And he was like, I did. (laughs) I really did. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. (laughs) Lieutenant Suckup. That's funny. (laughs) So as he beams over, Jordy is, you know, heads over to 10 forward and is picking Guinan's brain for advice on dating. And we have a little foreshadowing. We see Guinan again. Yay. Yeah, I know. I love seeing her. I know. I know. And I, I love that she's sprinkled in a little bit. And as we get into later seasons, she becomes like just indispensable member of the crew. Yeah. You know, she's got that great intuition. 
Um, mm-hmm. Troy secretly hates the hell out of her, you know, because <laughs> she's the real ship's counselor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Guinan says she's attracted to bald men, maybe because a bald man took care of Guinan in the past when she was hurting. And I was like, oh, this is such great foreshadowing to Time's Arrow when they're mm-hmm. in San Francisco and it's 500 years in the past. Like, I just, I loved all of that. I was like, oh, it's just like a yeah. wonderful little Easter egg. Yep. That episode's going to come up in season five and it's one of my favorite episodes. It's a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's when we see a little, it, yeah, it's a series finale yeah. and then the start of the next season. Yep. So, um, yeah, we're going to see a little bit of background about Guinan and what happened to her in the past. And it's going to be so great. I know. But yeah. I like that too. I like, I like how she says the first thing I look at is a man's head and Jordy's like, yes, his mind, mm-hmm, he has to be smart. And she's like, no, 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 his physical head. I like men who are bald. <laughs> it's like, er. Like, wait, what? And they have this, they have this great little heart to heart where, um, Jordy just pours his heart on. He's like, if you give me any kind of electrical or engineering problem, I can fix it in a heartbeat heartbeat. And I do feel like Jordy's kind of like a MacGyver in that way. I mean, I think Wesley's better (laughs) because he can fix anything, anytime, anywhere. Eclipsed by a 15 year old. (laughs) Right. But like taking Wesley out of the equation, since he's technically not a commissioned officer, um, like, like Jordy's very much a MacGyver, you know, figuring stuff out at the last second. And he's like, I could do anything, but when it comes to women, I'm totally clueless. And Guinan's like, you're doing fine with me. And he's like, well, but you're different. And she's like, no, you're different. Right. Yeah, and you're relaxed. Like, oh yeah. You're not trying so hard. And I thought, um, one, I wanted to hear your opinion on that whole, just be yourself advice and how that's worked for you in the past. And then versus like putting in effort. Cause, oh, and then, yeah. and then two, the second thing I was, yeah. And the second thing I was thinking is like, Jordy's really smart and really clever and really creative and really ambitious. And I wouldn't date him. So that was my second. Yeah. <laughs> well, why not? But now I need to know why I don't, I don't know why not, but he just doesn't feel like yeah. a romantic interest. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Jordy is a mentor I could look up to and pick mm-hmm. his brain and stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I see what you mean. Um, Okay, well, going back to your first part of that, um, I'm going to refer to one of my other favorite TV shows, The Office, where Dwight is trying to get Angela back. They had a breakup Mm -hmm. and he's still in love with her and trying to get back together with her. And one of the other characters, Phyllis, offers him some advice. She's like, you have to let her go. You just have to let her go and stop trying so hard. Um, and then maybe she'll come back to you. Like once you stop trying so hard, kind of what Guinan says. And he goes, okay, mm-hmm. great. I'm over her now. How do I get her back? And it's like, that's the like double-edged sword. That's what it feels like when I was, you know, very much out there dating and whatnot, people would be like, well, just don't try so hard or like, just stop looking. And then someone will show up. And I was like, great. I'm not looking now. So when is this person going to show up? <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. it felt like. It just felt like a double-edged sword. However, mm-hmm. I being in the position where I am now, where I've been married for a few years um, to my best friend. And that, you know, there are times that we get on each other's nerves and stuff. I mean, that's just natural, but I cannot stress enough how important it is, at least for me, that you <clears throat> find yourself with someone that you can absolutely be yourself with. Mm-hmm. When you find yourself editing yourself, that's a problem. That's, mm-hmm. and I mean, of course there are situations like, you know, you can't be going out to dinner being like table for two, all right. Like that doesn't make much sense. <laughs> if, if you did do that, then, you know, maybe we have a different problem on our hands. That's why my date didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> table for two. Yeah. Oh, wait, where are you going? Hello? Oh, I thought we, but we, 
<laughs> we haven't ordered yet. Hello. Yeah, and he's going Hello. beep beep as he drives away. Yeah. <laughs> so just be, yeah, I think Guyna's right. Like you have to be yourself oh, when you're trying man. so hard. I think there's a difference between putting effort into something. And, and trying to be someone you're not. And trying to be someone you're not. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. I agree. And I do think it takes, I personally think, although, you know, everybody take this with a grain of salt because I'm like literally the last person on the planet to give advice in this area. But I do personally think that um, putting in effort is important because it's important in any relationship, mm-hmm. romantic or otherwise. Totally. Like if you're going to make somebody else an important person in your life, you should put effort into your relationship. You need to totally. spend time with them. You need to listen to them. Like you need to actually try. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you also shouldn't be trying to be somebody you're not because that's exhausting. Yeah. And then if that person falls in love with the person you're pretending to be, yeah. you're going to be like jealous of yourself because you're going to be like, yes, do you actually love me? Because I just made this other person up and you love that mm-hmm. person. And what a terrible question to ask yourself every day. Poor Jordy. Poor Jordy. Yeah, he can save the he can save the enterprise a thousand times, but he can't, you know, get a girl to have a Coco Nona with him. I feel bad for him. Um, well, I mean, he could get her to have like four, but not like a fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll draw the line at some point. <laughs> he just stops ordering the fifth one because he because he knows that's the cutoff. He's like, ladies will have four with me, but they won't stay for the fifth. And you know what? He actually says this later on in the episode. So this is jumping ahead a little bit again, but. He says something to the computer when he's in the holodeck and they're like, that file is not, oh, he tries to access Leah Brahms like personal yes, logs. Yes. And then it's like you, that's restricted because it's a personal log. And he's like, great. Another woman who won't open up to me yeah. on the holodeck. And you're like, oh, Jordy. <laughs> he's got a whole Aww. list. Anyway. Okay. Well now we've like totally like derailed, but let's get back. Um, so Picard is on the bridge of the Promelian battle cruiser. It looks amazing. There are the remains of the crew members who died at their posts. And of course, Worf is like honorable, you know, like that's, his, yeah, that's the his captain number one. is sitting there. The captain is sitting As there. A space mummy. And I was like, Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That was so cool. Like that someone even conceived to have a mummy in a spaceship. Mm-hmm. I was like, interesting. Yeah. And then I thought, would you become mummified in a spaceship? I don't That's know. That's a really good I question. I didn't do a deep dive on that, but I did have that question. I was like, is that possible? You know what? But he, it was neat. Here's what, here's my like take on it. For people to be mummified as they were in ancient Egypt, they'd have to be embalmed and a whole bunch of chemicals mm-hmm. would have to be applied to like mm-hmm. dry their bodies preserve out and them. all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To preserve them. Now, if you think about being in space, the vacuum of space can provide that sterility. However, that's not what the case was in the Promelian battle cruiser. Mm-hmm. It had breathable air so much so that the crew of the enterprise could like the away team could beam over and they didn't have to have any special equipment. It was all breathable. So I think that those bodies would have just broken down. They would have just broken they would have down. Been decomposed. They would have just mm-hmm. decomposed into nothing. They would not have stayed. So we would have seen maybe bones. Maybe a, little I don't know, a thousand years. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. we have dinosaur bones. So we would have seen bones. Yeah, we would have had bones. But even then, like those There's dinosaur no erosion bo- for the bones. Ex- yeah. So I think we would have had that. But yeah, the, the like preserved mummies, I think that would only happen if the like barrier to space had been broken and like space had been allowed to like get in and, pr- and preserve. But them. even then, I feel like if space had gotten in, wouldn't the body have frozen? They would have frozen and or 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 flown out like it would have flown out. Exactly. So it's like there's. Yeah, there, there's some. Yeah, if you're like, if you're like a physicist or something, hit us up info <laughs> at the tngpodcast.com because we got questions. Yeah, we need to talk to a physicist, <laughs> a mummicist, and, and all these things. We need, a, we need a mummicist ASAP because 
as a marine biologist and a microbiologist, we don't know the answer yes. to this question. <laughs> we can only okay, hypothesize. So that's it. But yeah. okay. So while on the, you know, while Captain Picard is gallivanting around this Promelian battle cruiser, Wesley detects that like something, there's like some little couple strange power distortion. Something isn't quite right, but it's not enough that it's like, uh oh. Um, and you know, we kind of, that's just like a quick little snippet telling us like, Hmm, something is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and the captain and data are able to pull up the captain's final recordings from over a thousand years ago. And he wants the record to show that his crew died an admirable death. And he alone is responsible for the fate that befell them. He doesn't specify mm-hmm. exactly what happened, but it wasn't mm-hmm. just like a death in battle. And I had a few thoughts. One, Considering they had to create a whole alien monster makeup just for like a grainy video, I was so blown away by, and it was so well done. Thank you. Thank you. Like, it was That's for like a I shitty thought. video and it looked for amazing. For a grainy video that was tiny. They yeah. put on a tiny little screen, a teeny tiny little viewer and the makeup was amazing. And I was like, we've come so far from season yes. one where we've got whole giant people having close-ups of their trash party city masks. <laughs> yeah. And now we have this like incredibly beautiful monster makeup mm-hmm. that you can even barely see, but you can tell it's awesome. Oh, it's so stunning. And I was, I was blown away by the, by the space mummy. I was happy with that. Yeah. And then when they showed the original, like what it originally looked yeah. like, I was like, oh, oh, so good. Oh my gosh. So yeah. good. Number one, number two, even just the technology, the way they pulled up the video and it was a thousand years mm-hmm. old and still work. I was like, oh God, I was just like, my nerd heart was exploding with happiness. Totally. And then also mm-hmm. the mystery of like, what the fuck happened here? Because mm-hmm. you guys didn't just blow each other up and everybody yep. all died. It's like, you oh, literally died sitting in your chair. Yes. So how did you die? What happened? Um, so the, you know, the, the captain's like, okay, I think we've seen everything we kind of need to see. We can have, you know, some like, historians come back and catalog all this and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. as soon as they're beamed back aboard, they try to leave, but immediately are met with like power drops, like 2% power drop, 5%, 10%. So it starts really, you know, this, it really gets on a roll and it renders the engines useless. And Captain Picard is like, uh Oh, I think we've been ensnared in the same booby trap that doomed the Promelian battle cruiser. And I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. like that was the bum, bum, bum. Totally. And, and in the observation lounge, when they're saying like options, Data points out that the Minthars, the people that the Promelians were battling, um, were renowned for their battle strategy Mm -hmm. because they were endlessly creative and innovative with their different techniques that they used in battle. So this could easily be one of their traps Mm -hmm. because they were always coming up with new creative ways to kill their enemies, which is kind of impressive and also sad that that's what they put their genius to, um, whatever. And so then... Riker is like, yeah, that's great. Is there anything in the memory, you know, in the records about this particular trap and how to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And Data's like, oh, oh no, no, there's not. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> the Minthars probably invented this and it's amazing. And they do all these cool things. And he's like, okay, that's wonderful. Can you free us? No, no, no. No, no I, don't I don't know, know how, how to do that. that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, awesome. So this is probably a booby trap and we're all going to die like that ship. Which, 100%. Yes. Yeah, start setting the clock. And now we know there's three hours of like, power left in the ship before the shields fail. And once they fail, all the crazy radiation is going to kill everybody in 30 minutes. Yes. They've got three hours and 30 minutes before fatal death. Okay. So backing up just a tiny bit, Jordy's trying to figure out, you know, the problem. And he comes across Leah Brom's journal entries on the design of the ship's warp core. And Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, maybe I can 
pull her knowledge that's cataloged in the ship's computer Mm -hmm. and kind of have her be like my teammate, which I was like, that's very clever. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the next thing we see is Dr. Crusher on the bridge briefing Captain Picard. She has this plan on how to contain the crew as safely as possible. She's like, you know, cut power to every other deck and have everybody be on like odd number decks. And And then she says the radiation will reach fatal levels 30 minutes after the shields fail. And I had two thoughts on this. One, it's interesting to me that in the 24th century, there still isn't a cure for radiation poisoning, which we currently have no cure for. So I was like, I think Mm -hmm. it's cool that there are some illnesses and issues like this that like maybe never, that maybe just never go away. And I was like, okay, that's pretty interesting. Makes it more realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my second thought in all caps is why are you having this meeting in front of the staff out in the open? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what the observation lounge and the ready room are mm-hmm. for do mm-hmm. not in the middle of the bridge while everyone's frantically working going well 30 minutes after the shields are down everybody you know there's nothing we can do you know that's gonna reach fatal levels of radiation so and i was like oh beverly <laughs> <sighs> if you're just gonna talk out in the open you could have just calmed him from like sick bay because it's yeah. not really where you're yeah. supposed to be yeah. One. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and number two, out in the open. Come on. Might as well just put this on like the shipwide announcement. Dear God. I thought that mm-hmm. was terrible. Um, all right, but whatever. That was just an aside. So back to Jordy. He's dreaming up this method for working more closely with the Abrams. And he decides to recreate the design studio where the engines were created on Utopia Planitia. Um, and they're you know, she, she being Leah Brahms, appears in the holodeck. And Jordy's like, I don't remember asking the computer to like create the simulation. And the computer, do you remember, is like, oh, correction, like you asked for XYZ parameters to work with Leah Brahms. So it was just best to like create her as a holographic image. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, okay. And they start having this like, you know, science mumbo jumbo um, to start mm-hmm. coming up with solutions. Um, and she's pretty robotic. Yeah. She's very, thank you. Yeah, I was like, she's, she's just like, like the white, computer. Very mm-hmm. much like that. And so, you know, Jordy, this isn't the time, <laughs> but he's like, all right, computer cross-reference her journals, her speeches, et cetera, to create this more realistic facsimile. Um, and as soon as the computer does that, but he does, he does do that after just to point out that the two of them, basically he's differentiating between saying computer, meaning the enterprise computer and mm-hmm. Leah, meaning like her, right. To get yeah. different answers. So sometimes he's saying computer, do this. Then he's like, Leah, do that, you know, and asking questions. And then they come to something that he thinks might be a really good solution. So he's like, oh my gosh, I think we got it. I think this is going to work. Woo! And he's like cheering on and he looks over at Leah Brahms and she's just like blank face. Yes, you're he's right. Like, come, like, come on, like <laughs> high five, like, t- no, like team spirit. No. And that's when he's like, all right, we added some personality in here because I'm sitting here jumping up and dancing all by myself. And she's just standing there Again, staring off into space while a woman just yes. stares at you. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) So then he's like, all right, let's pull together every record you have of her to try to make a a personality. And so he has the computer generate a personality so he can work with someone who's a little more like a teammate. Yes. Which was kind of fun. And also bleeds into the conversation you and I had about hollow ethics and recreating people Mm -hmm. who you know or don't know on Mm -hmm. the holodeck to interact with them. So well, and I think cool technology and a little creepy, a little bit creepy. And it's going to come back and bite him in the ass in a later, sure in is. a later episode. And it's going to be so it cringy sure and is. so delicious to watch where you're like, Oh, so awesome. I'm sad for you, but also you kind of deserve this dude that you really crossed the line. So as soon as the computer finishes putting in her personality, did you notice 
I'm going to play it for you right now. Did you notice this 1989 love music? Yep, that's it. That's really setting the mood right there. You can really see like the wind blowing in her hair as he stares. No, that's one place where I feel like the holodeck could have like put in like more breeze <laughs> to have her hair blowing. <laughs> what, what I actually loved about this scene when the personality gets installed, I love the actress, how she becomes um, animated. Like she kind of takes a breath yes! and like blinks her eyes and looks around and you're like, you can really see her coming to life. Mm-hmm even though she was literally just standing there two seconds ago. Like she hasn't really moved, but the way she did that totally sold me that now she's a different person. And she turns slowly. She looks at Jordy and she just smiles. And then he's just like Dr. Brahms or whatever. And she's like, Jordy, it's me. It's Lee. Like somehow the computer made her personality like that Jordy's best friend and also super flirtatious with Jordy. And I was like, how did the computer even do that? Why did it do that? I had yeah. so many questions. Yes. Yes. What would the computer yes. remake me like if it was based on my conferences? I'm sure it would not be flirtatious. No, no. Right. And like, the- <laughs> I've, I've, I've presented some data at some conferences and you better believe it's just like, so we, these were the methods. This is how we ran it. Mm-hmm. These were the findings, right? Like It wasn't, it like, wasn't like, and Jordy, then I don't know, like, <laughs> Hey, Dr. So-and-so, so happy to see you. Aren't you happy to see me? Yeah, there was none of that. There was none of that. <laughs> okay, so they're, now Leah Brahms and Jordy are having like sexy intellectual screaming match. And they're like, it can't be done. It can't be done. And then they kind of look at each other and go, you're good. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is a bad idea, Jordy. You are vulnerable. <laughs> no one is really going to blame you, but... Oh, you need to step back. And I did say be yourself, you know, I guess, but with some effort, but wow, screaming matches that they went like to married couples real quick, right? From like (laughs) flirting to dating to married uh, all all in one scene. But I will say, I think it's more like passionate dating couple where it's like, you see in the movies, those couples that like have screaming matches and then immediately cut to like ravaging each other. But I feel like Mm -hmm. married couples, not so much. Like you scream at each other Mm -hmm. and then you come back in a couple hours and go, all right, well, let's talk about what happened just now. You know, <laughs> but there mm-hmm. isn't like you don't immediately jump to like bedroom makeup. Yes, the bedroom and the and the saxophone. Yeah, it's uh, but <laughs> so they are able to figure out that there is some sort of radiation bleed out that's emanating from these asteroids, and there are hundreds and thousands of them, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of them. So there's no way to just knock, knock out like the two generators and like, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, okay, well, shoot, maybe we can like possibly get out of this asteroid field if we turn over the ship to the computer and Jordy's like scratching his head trying to figure this out. And then Leah, oh dear God, comes up behind him and gives him a back rub. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I basically put like my paws in front of my face and went, no, 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 no. I didn't like. Coco, no, no. no. <laughs> and he's just like, don't do that. And she's like, I thought it would feel good. And he's like, I don't want to feel good right now. I need to save the ship. Wh- Computer. This is giving question. me acid reflux. <laughs> I don't want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was honestly compared to the opening scene of this episode, the best date that Jordy's ever had. True, That's true. So it's you're very like, natural well, and flowing. The bone. And, it's very natural. And mm-hmm. Jordy can never be satisfied with a woman who doesn't match his intellect. Yeah. Not ever. True. And so Leah Brahms is his equal in this, in this part. And she even says like, 
you know, the problem with ship's engineers or uh, the problem with the ship's designers is that mm-hmm. we never get to get out into space. And Jordy's like, yes, as a chief engineer, I feel like we should have more of a hand in the in the construction of Design, our ship. Yeah. yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. they're kind of they have a give and take and it's working well. And it's like all a complimentary just, skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just all lies. It's just all fake. <laughs> and Jordy, please, please don't keep it just ugh. anyway. So they run a bunch of simulations and sometimes the enterprise makes it out and sometimes it doesn't. Jordy's like, ha, what if we turn this whole thing on its head? One Mm -hmm. tiny microsecond burst of power and then shut the whole thing down and coast out. Because what's happening with this asteroid field trap is it is draining whatever power you put out. So your output Mm -hmm. energy is drained in equal measure. So if you have Mm -hmm. no output, and this is a, this is a solution that the enterprise comes up with a couple of times. Um, where they just sort of coast their way out. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's, I think it's the second time we've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what they decide to do. And then Sharice, I don't know how you felt about this moment, but Captain Picard relieves Wesley and will pilot the ship out. And he's like, thank you, commander. You have done your job. And now it is time for me to do mine. And having Picard take the con, I honestly, I got like chills. I was like, oh, this is Patrick Stewart with the gravitas that only Patrick Stewart can like carry. I I was, Mm. mm, I was just, I was loving it so much. When I saw that, my question was, so at this point, by the way, there's 12 minutes before the shields fail and everyone's going to die. So we have 12 minutes. Always like this. And Picard tells Riker, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to pilot the ship out. I mean, he doesn't even tell him. He's just like, I'm going to take care of it. It's my turn. Yeah. And then relieves Wesley and he flies the ship out. And I think it's kind of like captain goes down with the ship type deal or if anything goes wrong, it's my fault type deal. I'm not really sure. And then Picard uses the final large asteroid data ever helpful. He's basically like C-3PO when he's like the odds of us, you know, escaping this asteroid field are 732,000 to one. And Han Solo goes, never tell me the odds. That's basically what data was like. We said, Mm-hmm. because of like a couple of unforeseen things, um, we have lost the inertia to get us fully out. So we now cannot escape. And I love that Picard just goes, thank you, Data. <laughs> like, shut up, Data. And yep, he used a large asteroid to slingshot them out of the asteroid field. And again, loved the visuals on that. Loved yeah, it. So and cool. the music was like, bum, 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 bum. Yes, like they made it yes. out like, oh, yeah. And Riker's out. like, Computer, shut down all notifications of like dead levels. Yes. Like, don't tell us when death is happening. <laughs> yes. Don't tell us anymore. Yeah. Just shut up. And I was like, hey, why don't they do that all the time? Yep. Like, when he's like, we realize we could die any second. We don't need the countdown yep. minute by minute. Stop talking. Yes. Like, let us focus. And I was like, that's really, that's really smart. Doo-doo. Two minutes to fatal exposure. I don't need to hear that right now. <laughs> yeah. Cause then he's going to be like 75 seconds, 60 seconds, 40 nope. seconds. Like, no. Computer off. Don't need to Just computer off. Mm-hmm. So they make it out and Picard is like, okay, let's blow up the Promelian battlecruiser so that it doesn't bother anyone ever again. <clears throat> Going back to your statement a few moments ago, I think the reason that Captain took the con is kind of like you said, Captain goes down with the ship. But I think the responsibility to get them out ultimately lies with him. And it's because of Picard that they went on to the Promelian battlecruiser. They were stuck there poking around in the first place. If it wouldn't have been for him, they probably would have just zapped right through and wouldn't have had an issue. Um, so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it was because of him, just as the Promethean captain said, right. it's, my it's my fault, fault that we're here. Um, and, you know, captain tried a couple things. He tried phasing, you know, hitting hitting the asteroids mm-hmm. with the phaser, and it took a big energy hit for the Enterprise to do that. 
and mm-hmm. it resulted in nothing happening. And he was like, shit. Okay. Like I've just drained our power even more and it got nothing mm-hmm. done. So now mm-hmm. they're out and everything is fine. And Jordy is saying a very sexy and sappy goodbye to Leah. <laughs> and she goes, it's me, Jordy. Every time. Oh, it's so creepy. I want to gag. Every time you yes. look at the ship, you're looking at me. Every time you touch the ship, you're touching me. And knowing what happens with Leah Brahms in a future episode, I felt so effing uncomfortable. Watching this for the first time, you don't know that Leah Brahms comes back in a second episode. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, this is just like a one-off thing. It's, it's kind of and, just a you know, creepy, sappy goodbye. It wouldn't be creepy if this wasn't a holodeck generated facsimile of a real person. If this mm. was a real person, this would be a really sweet scene. Yes. Yeah. If it was like a visiting scientist and then mm-hmm. she was getting on her shuttle and going somewhere else, it would be a really sweet. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Agreed. So from that perspective, it's like very sweet. They have a kiss and he says goodbye, but because it's a holodeck generated like facsimile of a real person who exists, that, that that's what makes it kind of creepy. Um, so they kiss and he's just like, oh, that was wonderful. And I kind of felt like, well, you know, at least Jordy had a win. He had a good date. And then I also felt like, because I do know the next episode, I was like, yeah, whatever you get, you kind of earned it. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Also, maybe just delete program. <laughs> just delete the program. Don't leave a trace. Don't leave a trace, yeah. Jordy. This is just so. I mean, I guess uh, he wouldn't even think of that, right? He just wouldn't even. It, yeah. He wouldn't even think to be like, let me like clean up my tracks because I did something wrong because he doesn't think he did anything wrong either. He's just like, whatever, I just use this like it's not a big deal. It's like, dude, um, stash the pornography like way in the back. Okay. Like that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Don't that's how I feel about out. You know, it's don't put it on the coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put it on the bookshelf. Maybe slip it somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe like behind a a hidden panel. I don't know. I'm just saying. But (laughs) (laughs) wall safe. (laughs) You don't keep any cash, just stacks of porn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure someone somewhere out there has got something like that. Um, But I think that the staging of the first awkward date was the perfect lead in to like Jordy is feeling Mm -hmm. vulnerable. He's had multiple rejections. Even though it's not explicitly stated, but his actions Mm -hmm. kind of show like, yep, I've heard this all before. I've heard the rejection before. Mm -hmm. And for him to have such an effortless connection with this like mega brained woman is like everything he needs. And it's all a lie. And it's just, oh, Jordy, it's Mm -hmm. so sad. Please go talk to Guinan some more or something. (laughs) I know. I know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Anyway, well, that's where this episode wraps up. Do you have any final thoughts before we say goodbye? I cannot wait for the part two of this episode. (laughs) So here's a little foreshadowing for those of you who haven't, if you're listening, you haven't actually seen the next episode yet, which is probably no one because a lot of people have seen these shows a lot of times who listen to our show. Um, The real Leah Brahms comes to the ship and discovers this particular program and is like, uh, what now? Yeah. And it's just like, like, oh, that episode, you're just like, yep, what's going to happen now? Yeah. You, know, you just want to get your popcorn out and be like, mm-hmm. yep. you go talk to Jordy. Yeah. Um, but so far, you know, mm-hmm. like this episode was just just great. Like I said, I, def- I forgot about the promelians and mm-hmm. all of that. I just remember the Jordy Brahms, like he finally has some kind of confidence. Yeah. Maybe he can take this into the real world yes. and run with it with a, a real person <laughs> who he's not recreating. I Absolutely. Don't know. What were your what were your final thoughts? Um, My final thoughts are similar to yours. I can't wait for the 
um, story arc to pick up later. I don't remember off the top of my head which season it is, but it's in yeah, I mean, either. either the rest of season three or season four. It's, it's fairly soon. Um, and without giving away a lot of spoilers, the real Dr. Leah Brahms is absolutely nothing like <laughs> nothing at all like this sappy, sexy yeah, Leah Brahms. <laughs> and Jordy absolutely <laughs> has to eat a shit ton of crow. Um, and it's so painful, but also you fucking deserve that. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, uh, anyway, Cherise, this has been a ton of fun. Next week, we're talking season three, episode seven, The Enemy. Can't wait to break that one down with you, too. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.